Welcome to the Woman Who Rubs the Mountain podcast, a gathering place for conversations and stories of ecological embodiment. I'm your host and guide, Kendra Ward. So let us gather ourselves here together, centering as we tune into our intent. What happens when we rub on the body of the earth? How does she brush back against us? Here we seek an intimacy, a love affair with the land and beings where we live. Let us keep coming together in creative, strange, disruptive ways of relating beyond the human-centric limitations of our current dreaming. By sharing experiences of embodied ecology, our reality shifts, our core truths sharpen, and space is made for a new, old, earth-honoring culture to reemerge. And I am honored and grateful to be in conversation today with Alana Greenberg. Alana is a self-proclaimed intronaut, an explorer of what lingers at the edges. She is in continual relationship with learning the art of living, the craft of dying, the overstory, underworld, and the things that dwell in the interstices. In her clinical practice, she synthesizes Ayurvedic medicine and yoga, transpersonal psychology, acupressure, and aromatherapy into an integral healing paradigm. She's currently working towards a PhD weaving the five element systems of Ayurveda and TCM to address decolonizing soma and psyche and re-embodying indigeneity. Alana shares what she lives and loves through passion projects, teacher trainings, medicinal essential oil blends, and soul-nourishing group experiences steeped in Gaia's beauty. Welcome, Alana. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you. It's really a joy to spend time with you. Likewise. <laughs> well, I would love to just feel into the new and old names of where you live and kind of ground mm -hmm. in that place. And I'd love to feel a little bit more into how you have a sense of intimacy or rub on the place where you live and mm. stories are encouraged. Okay. Um, I'm just going to begin by saying a quick um, or offering a quick invitation to Ganesha to uh, possibly remove any obstacles that may come my way through the way I express myself and even through the way my words or ideas are received. So a quick um, invoking of the archetypal energy of removing obstacles and a quick Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. Hmm. So I am presently on Mohican territory and the privilege of that is not lost on me. I actually love the word Mohican, like the mm. way it feels in my mouth mm. and how it feels in my body when I say it, how it, it reverberates in my ears. Um, there's a lot of wounding on this land and there's a lot of beauty on this land. So um, in the English language, I'm in a place called Pine Plains in the Hudson River Valley, about two hours north of New York City. And I'm currently situated in a bath of gold. There are beautiful, big, majestic trees around me um, in three directions where I'm sitting right now. And even though it's getting dark, these last few days, I really feel like I've been surrounded by uh, beautiful golden light. So I'm really grateful because as you know, I've been grieving the loss of color 
mm-hmm. uh, specifically in this season. And because of the rains that we've had this fall, uh, we're experiencing a lot more color than we did last year. So that's been bringing me a little bit more hope. Mm. Um, the way I rub up against, I love that. I've been thinking about that question as like, how do I lovingly massage mm. Gaia where I'm living? And um, I, where I've gone is, you know, Anytime I'm outside and I'm in nature, I just move into this ah, childlike bewilderment. Everything is just so beautiful to me. I can hardly contain it. <laughs> like um, a blade of grass or the smell of a cow, um, the design on a leaf, like the intricacies, everything is just filled with wonderment for me. And so I hope that... Um, the vibration that I carry in that wonderment, in that love and appreciation is a loving massage for Gaia. So it becomes like frequency medicine mm. because I'm I'm receiving so much from her, um, running it through my system. Uh, all of my senses are affected and... Um, So the way that I embody that, the way that it filters through me creates some kind of frequency or vibration that I hope she's really feeling. And then there's this healing reciprocity that happens. I mean, I know I'm totally being nourished. So I offer that in return. And then there's a beautiful loop that happens where it's... um, where it continues. And uh, I have a a wonderful little story about this. I I mean, clearly I'm an aromatherapist, so I receive so much of that joy through my sense of smell. Uh, But my beloved says that I have bionic ears, which I really think that I do. And so um, hearing and really listening when I'm outside feels important to me. And last week, um, we were visited by a family, maybe, or a clan of vultures. There were about at least 12 of them, and they're huge. Mm. So something must have been decaying in the thicket right near the house. And we were living with these vultures for about a week, and they would come so close that I could hear their wings flapping. And so the um, the fluid interface of air and feather was such a gift. And I thought, um, I'm giving back to her and she's giving back to me. And we're all giving back to each other through our senses of perception. So hearing Gaia, smelling Gaia, the other than human world itself, I think is um is how I rub, is mm. how I lovingly massage uh-huh. her, them, it, all of us. Yeah, no separation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I I have a particular love of I call them the queen vultures. Don't wow. ask. Don't ask me. I think it's about mm-hmm. how vultures move mm-hmm. through through space. It is just very um, commanding, but utterly at ease. And I, I just, for whatever reason, in the last number of years, have a, um, when they return in the spring, it is the most joyous thing, mm-hmm. you know, to see. And oftentimes they're, they're returning in these large numbers together in, in communities. When they leave, they're often just like one in the sky. I'm always really fascinated by the that one that's decided to stay. Uh-huh. Like what, what happens with that? Like, why brave being are you alone, <laughs> but deciding to still like, you know, hang out. I don't want to say tough out because I don't really, mm. you know, I don't, I want to, I don't want to make any assumptions around that, but mm. um, truly the way that they move 
and take up space um, and just their their vibration in the world is is truly a special thing to me. Um, so I agree. There's a commanding presence. There there's like a majestic. They require a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. Mm-hmm. I knew I connected with you with a lot of bird medicine. I know. And, you know, it's like, bring up birds and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Um, Well, it's so interesting when I first read your bio and you use this term intranaut and I Mm. had this immediate vision of you walking through the forest and sort of like turning over stones Mm. Um, or turning, you know, looking under a log and not in an extractive, like scientific, like need to have everything pinned down and scrutinized sort of way, but in truly in that expression of like awe and bewilderment and joy um, of like, wow, you know, what's under here? Um, Mm. You you know, so I, it's, uh, that was just such a immediate, vision that I had of you in, in, in using that word. Mm. Yeah. What's under here. And then what's under here, like mm. pointing to my own self. So how does overturning the stone and breathing in the 40 billion years of microbial consciousness mm. um, also exist and, and mirror what's happening on the inside? Mm-hmm. How do I feel that? Yeah. How do I be with that? How does it be with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, another um, another thing that kind of stood out to me um, in your, it, you know, and bios are so funny. There's just like such a weird thing to try and put ourselves <laughs> into words. Like, come on. Right. Um, but another word that that really stood out to me was that word indigeneity, and you mm. specifically. Um, mm used the term re-embodying indigeneity. And I was, I was just for folks who maybe are not familiar or exposed to this term, I'm curious if you could tell us what that means to you or means in your life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think culturally right now, the first place that I want to go is a place of caution and say that the word indigeneity is very sticky, mm-hmm. right? We're in a, we're in a very sensitive moment in the collective. So um, I'm hoping there are a lot of different definitions or as many definitions as there are people who are actually using or thinking about the word. Um, the way I experience it and am expressing it is um, by re-embodying a, a more natural way of knowing, a more natural way of being with Gaia, as Gaia, of Gaia, an awareness of being recipro- reciprocally embedded with Gaia. Um and living from that place. So being with that awareness in the body and through the body. And, you know, as you said, like a way, it's like a new old earth honoring way of being and moving through space and time in these sacks of water and earth and space and fluid that we call body. Mm. So I think that might get at a piece of it for the moment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Honoring the stickiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fluidity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And everything in between. Um, it's a way of being. Um, the way of honoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A way of being reverent, I would say. Hmm. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have another question for you that I feel is um is potentially hard to sort of perfectly <laughs> wrap our fingers and brains around. Um, oh, good. 
I know. Just, <laughs> no, we're just doing our best here. But, um, but I'm fascinated with what happens when we are in less humanly impacted spaces, mm. when the inundation of language and culture um, of other and consciousness even of other kinds of beings fills the space that we're in more profoundly, more intimately than our own. And um, I've heard this described before as an experience of an unfractured mind. Mm. When we're in the vibration of less humanly impacted spaces mm -hmm. versus, you know, oftentimes what we're vibrating as human beings, which can be very quick and frenetic and distracted. Um, so just feeling into like what's happening to us humans on an energetic level at this meeting point when our energy meets the energy of a space that is potentially less humanly impacted, mm -hmm. um, you know, in these, in these meeting points, I'm just curious, you know, in your experience, what's really at work there? Mm hmm well, I'm, I'm stuck on the word fracture for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like really honoring the spaces that aren't so fractured and also honoring the fractures yes. as potentialities for different ways of knowing, different kinds of knowing, mm -hmm. new knowings that we don't have language for yet. Um, but I think, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about this and I feel like what happens when we move through or in spaces that are less anthropocentric, let's say, is that we're communicated with and we're communicating to, even if we don't know that at the surface level so um there's the porosity that's happening where we are remembered as we're remembering and because of this and again it it can be deeply unconscious i feel like there's an entrainment that happens that actually register registers a sense of belonging and um rootedness is a word that's coming through and i think energetically being remembered and remembering clears us of toxic technological residue mm. i'm not actually sure how maybe um through in training with ionic frequencies, like just think about being next to the ocean and we don't really have to do anything to be imbibing the molecules that are just making us dance in, in a different tenor of wellness in that moment. Mm. Um, but I think there's like an unwinding and a remembering that happens of um, we, we tune into our, or our more animate animal um primordial brine selves that um they that you know maybe helps us remember our origin story that helps us uh mel into our our beginnings and um actually seeing that conjures this thought that I have, I, I've been doing research um, on smell and there are these new studies that are coming out where they're speculating that we don't only have nasal receptors that smell, but our whole body is olfactory and the liver has receptors that smell, um, the heart does, the lungs and even the sperm and the ova. What? Yeah. So, so, so this, it, they're, what they're coming to is that the sperm is smelling the chemical root that the ova is 
protruding or, or whatever word you want to use in order to draw the sperm to it. So our origin story may actually be a story of smell. Wow. I'm just letting that sink <laughs> in for a moment. I know. <laughs> so the action word of the origin story may actually be smell. We smell our way into being. So maybe when we are in nature and, and we're recalibrating and we are in training and detoxifying, our whole body is doing that through receptors that we don't even know we have. And isn't that kind of, to me, it feels like that's sort of the truth of many, many things, truly. <laughs> Yeah. Not knowing is a place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I often contemplate like the magnetism, mm -hmm. um, for example, that like the national parks have for people, like millions of people visiting. Um, it, it just, I had this experience a couple summers ago of um, being in Utah and visiting mm -hmm. some really sacred places and, um, and then just also finding it um, beautiful and kind of hysterical and just so interesting, like how we, like humans coming to these places and they don't, I don't even, it's, it's just a thing. Like, it's like without even knowing like what the magnetism is, mm. um, but the, it, there sure is something that, you know, draws us to certain places in particular. I think about the vibration of landscapes and the vibration underneath the earth. Hmm. Uh, like I remember living in Santa Fe, they used to say that it was built on obsidian and Santa Fe had this way of mirroring you back to you. And if you couldn't really handle the reflection, it kind of chewed you up and spit you out. So it was always oh. interesting to see who, who hung around and who, who was more transient. So I, I think about the vibration of the land and the native peoples all over the world. The indigenous awareness was that of um, listening to place. Mm -hmm. So they congregated in these places of power and created beautiful artifacts and places of power. Well, which they weren't artifacts then, but they are for us now. And um, the land spoke to them. They knew how to listen. And I think that's what happens to us when we move into these parks or, um, you know, move slower through the landscapes, as hysterical as it is that everybody's, you know, photographing and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, picnicking. Yeah. Right. Kind of right. trampling <laughs> a, a wide path in the process. <laughs> and leaving the garbage. Yeah. Right. Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Better than doing other things, I always say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, the curiosity of that, like what draws people is, is, is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. well, I'd love to tune in a little bit. I mean, you, you kind of almost got to this around this idea of mirroring. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious about any thoughts you might have, like this connection between illnesses in our human bodies reflected in the land body and sort of vice versa. Um, and and I've even, you know, heard the comment before of like, maybe we were sort of taking this idea, this sense of mirroring too far. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, curious what your thoughts are on that. I think it can be taken too far. And I also think that um, from an Advaita Vedanta perspective, we may not be taking it far enough. Mm. Um, to that, I would actually add the body politic at this point. There's no separation between how we are mirrored with Gaia, how Gaia is mirroring us, how it's being mirrored in culture and in politics. So coming from a more meta view, I feel like everything is just mirroring each other. Mm -hmm. And we can take it too far when we internalize it and feel our ills as expressions of or... Um, 
it doesn't serve us in a place of wellness. Um, but, you know, like people like Lynn McTaggart and Sandra Ingerman, Dr. Emoto, all these people that are doing these intention experiments and healing the land, we're using our bodies to do that. I don't know if I want to say we're using our bodies to do that. Let me sit with that for a minute. I feel like our bodies are attuning to particular knowings that Gaia is offering to us to be in reciprocity so we can be in a co-creative healing partnership. That feels like a better way to say that for me. You know, also I feel like at this particular moment in time, the way in which it's showing up that we are taking it too far is that we are, I feel like we're tapping into the underbelly of the unconscious. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're really hitting the schizoid, psychoid level of being, which we see at play in the body politic. And, um, and there's a rumbling, you know, there's a rumbling between the empty spaces in the, in the canyons and the empty chambers in our hearts, because on some level we're, we're witnessing and, and steeping in heartbreak, mm. grief for our mother, what's happening in Ukraine. I mean, you know, the list is just endless and I can keep on naming um, so where I'm coming to about the connection between illness and the mirroring is what can I do within my body? I like the word that you used as a peace pole, right? Or as a wellness pole to anchor in more of the vibration of wellness that I can mirror out. And that's really the the work that I've been um that's what's showing up for me. And I like what Martin Shaw says, and I appreciate that that you uh you reference him. He said we're in initiatory times, but we don't yet have initiatory language. And I I'm I'm working with creating language for myself so I can mirror appropriately, not too much, not too little, mm -hmm. but in, in an effort to honor the fractures, honor the wounding, amplify the wellness without the need to identify solely with being well and healing as being the only way or the right way. I'm not sure if that answered anything that you asked, but that's what wanted to come out. <laughs> and that is just how this is, you know, it's, it's how just, we're rolling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's part of feeling into the cracks and fissures of things. And mm. um, so, so I'm hearing from you in terms of sort of what you're centering is this sense of, um, you know, and what, you know, tuning into what really matters to us as we're on this initiatory precipice, um, you know, this, this sense of your own vibration as mm -hmm. things are coming in and like, just continue to be really sovereign or, um, in integrity with then how you're, um, vibrating outwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, um, to me, just sort of building on that, um, this sense of that you actually use these words, uh, uh, you know, if maybe in September, um, in this question, what does the untamable ferocity of the feminine hold for us in this time mm. of crisis as mm. a golden nugget? Um, mm. And it was just such a good question. I've continued to sort of let it work on me. Um, I'm, I'm curious in the time since you've 
posted that and let sort of the seed of it be planted in your heart, what is, what is grown from mm. that? Mm -hmm. Oh, and I'm also curious as to how that is growing in you. <laughs> um, let's see. The question that I've really been living with is, is being in the void, right? You use the term void medicine, mm -hmm. which I'm very attracted to. Um, my wondering is, is being in the void, like really abiding comfortably in the fertility of not knowing like being in the womb that houses the spacious potential for new possibilities. I'm wondering if that is the yin aspect of the ferocious feminine. Like, can we, like maybe the rub is to be with both of those, mm -hmm. to hold non-doing and listening attentively raging at the machine, being ferociously present with what's happening simultaneously. And that crystallized in a question for me, which is how do we untame presence in a way that fosters a revolution of love? Wow. Let that vibrate out for a moment. <laughs> So that's what I'm sitting with. How can we be wild, have that Kali-esque, wrathful ferocity while we're so comfortable in the void of not knowing and get stuff done? Hmm. I don't have an answer, but I like living with that question. Mm -hmm. And I like living with that question with you <laughs> and all of those listening here. Yeah. So maybe we can continue fertilizing it and potentizing it and coming up with all these rhizomatic ways of understanding it and knowing it and mm -hmm. And um, being with it together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it feels like um, the continued forgetting and remembering of just allowing for the complexity of things. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just it's so ingrained to be like, it is this one thing, or I'm having this one feeling. Um, but, you know, it's the continued practice in expanding ourselves out to be able to hold both the grief and beauty at the same time um, and returning to that remembering. I think that is holding the paradox right now mm -hmm. is the way to be. Being able to be in that stretch, having that flexibility mm -hmm. is what's required to actually be in the complexity. And at this point, if we're not dwelling in a way of understanding things systemically, we're not really metabolizing the full picture. Mm -hmm. Systemically, complexity-wise, thinking in terms of chaos and entanglement, if we're not inviting that um where we're sitting with part of the story the stretch isn't complete <laughs> mm, that's a good way of putting it yeah <laughs> uh -huh. that's why we do yoga that's that's like my real aim and flexibility and strength building is to be able to hold the stretch like to really be able to to um to be with to see as many parts as possible and be with them in a way that can knock me off balance, but I can find my way back to a sense of center. 
feels like that's there's a life skill piece in there. Like I, I'm just feeling reminded of having conversations with my children, you know, and and that sense of like, there's a little stretch in here. It's okay to be uncomfortable, um, and mm. to you know to continue to develop feeling into that or, um, yeah, the mm -hmm. stretch. I feel you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love to, you know, kind of move even a little further into this in terms of this sense of like fissures and cracks and the dark, unexplored places of inquiry, um, particularly as it comes to uh, what Martin Shaw calls our titillation with extinction, mm -hmm. our, our over exuberance for ideas around the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious, you know, once again, this sort of like holding of many possibilities, um, not ignoring the harms being done, yeah. while also not, um, you know, my, I had a, a, a friend, a teacher at one point, and, and his entire gift in this world was was holding a sad and tender heart. And I think that's <laughs> part of like not ignoring the harms done is you're making space to be a witness truly, mm -hmm. while also not at the same time being in this, um, what it feels like these days is um, very much part of the story of the Anthropocene, this sense of like, um, we're killing the earth, it's dead already. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm curious about the middle path between mm. these two. And again, this sense of sort of reorienting ourselves regularly. Mm -hmm. I love, I love the, uh, the pointing to the middle. Um, yeah. Um, I think the, um, the titillation with extinction is such an anthropocentric viewpoint and it it reminds me of um eschatology which is just this ancient religious notion of the end times mm. right that's in all sacred texts and prophecies and ancient scriptures like we think we really know <laughs> I mean, and if we're thinking that, like if we are, I have to be careful with how I say this here, but seeding prophecy, hmm. then are we actually perpetuating it, perpetuating it and making it happen? So, you know, if we all think utopia, do we get that? If we all think extinction, do we get that? So I've been reorienting, just like watching myself think, again, because as you know, I've been grieving uh, for a while. I've really been, I mean, Gaia is my mother, you know. I lost my mom almost 20 years ago, so transferred all that mother love onto Gaia. So I literally take things personally when they're hurting my mother. So I have been grieving the things that have been happening for a while. Um, and at the same time, I think that the notion of extinction is a little bit romanticized. It's like this... Um, Like extinction is a sexy Burning Man event, right? Uh -huh. Replete with headdress and and uh, suede fringe boots, right? Like, let's get on the extinction train and do our work from that vantage point, which I'm not, doing the work is great, but the intention behind it and what's galvanizing it, I think also plays a role in the energetics of how things get done. So I, I've been orienting myself through recognizing Gaia's sovereignty and agency and taking humanity out of the picture long enough to revere Gaia as a resilient being. 
And this is really just crystallizing for me now as we're in the metal element and there's this real energetic of condensing that's happening within me. So right now I'm in the process of focusing on that. Like how can I, instead of, instead of just grieving and really honoring my feelings of grief, but how can I also transmute the energy of my grief into, I'm hoping, Agni, right? The digestive fire in Ayurveda. Like how, how, how can I help myself metabolize what's present all around me in the collective body, in the relational body, in the mysterious body that I can't even comprehend with my limited mind? Um, how can I really listen and orient with my animal body in a way that reveres Gaia and doesn't just center humans as the ones who think we know what's going to happen? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm landing in the middle. Mm -hmm. I'm efforting to turn my my ache and my grieving into action mm -hmm. through through honoring what's unfolding, honoring the fissures, honoring the difficulties, holding it all, being in the paradox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, that gets at it. Well, and that energy, you use the word condensing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to me, it also feels like there's a little bit of a quality of essentializing. You know, huh. it's like a it's like a pairing back to continually knowing, you know, asking these questions around like what really matters. Yeah what matters to me, what matters um, to Gaia, what, like, what, what really matters these days. Um, and to, to be able to have that be a returning point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you're saying and, and feeling into the fluidity of what matters as well, right? It's a peace pole and it's also in the center of a lake. Mm, wow. <laughs> and all of it matters. But yeah. what are we attending to in the moment and how are we bringing ourselves there? Um, that's what I'm working on within myself right now. I feel yeah. like I've kind of been grieving long enough and she knows, she knows mm -hmm. how I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and now, and, and part of that has been some promptings from you in terms of asking me certain things or just being with me in my grief. I remember a few things that you said to me that helped me feel really held in it. And I think when we're in, in those places together, mm -hmm. there's a different way of moving with and moving through. So I really just want to take this moment and thank you for that. I really, mm -hmm. I, I honor, I honor your, your capacity, your loving willingness to be with me in my, in my grief and also in my wanderings and wanderings. Well, you're my sister intranet, so, you know. <laughs> That's right. we got to be in there together. I know. It's not a solo journey. That's the thing. We think we're these solo bodies, and we're really not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to just um, start to gather the threads and, and just wondering if there's any um, kin or family around you mm. anyone who's bringing you particular joy or fascination or um yeah mm. it's floating to the surface that way mm -hmm. I love that question you know I have these lilies downstairs which have been filling up the entire house with their aroma so right now I'm feeling very related to their beauty. And I asked myself today, where is the lily of the valley? Like, where is that valley? Ooh. Because wherever that valley is, it's on my bucket list now. I need to get there and just be with these beings and 
become Lily while Lily is becoming me and just be in the Lily of the Valley or the Valley of the Lilies at some point. So I would say that's, uh, that's what's showing up for me in the moment. I, and it feels as though in flowerescent circles and um, just this association of lilies being kind of the, the ultimate feminine force, like the ultimate mm. feminine teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So I just have, it's just, mm. in, I have like a white, like, you know, in terms of a vision, just this white light mm. coming through hearing you talk about that. So mm. beautiful. It's wonderful that you say that because I watched one open today, which is not something that you always get to see, but I just mm-hmm. sat and waited because I could tell. Uh-huh. And when she opened, the inside of her petals were so white. The way that the light was refracting, I don't know what was happening, but it seemed otherworldly, like it wasn't just three-dimensional. So uh-huh. I really appreciate your saying that. Wow, that sounds mm-hmm. amazing. I just learned that I... I have been learning about the ultraviolet lights released by flowers um, that Uh we cannot see at all, but that Mm -hmm. the bees, um, you know, are seeing this whole other world. And it just, Mm. it's just that reminder, you know, feeling into the cracks and fissures, being available to something entirely different, something that we just didn't know about before. And Mm -hmm. I felt like when I when I heard that, you know, the sense of like the the power and the presence and the the soul's expression of flowers on the planet and just how much more is happening with that than we can even possibly comprehend. I am with you. Totally, totally. Our limited senses of perception mm-hmm. are not catching the whole show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh I'm with you on that. And I feel like part of my work too, is to continue pushing and broadening how my senses are attuning to and picking up. Hmm. So I have, so there's like more that I'm hearing more that I'm seeing. Maybe that's another way of describing how I'm embodying indigeneity. Uh Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to just hear about any special offerings that um, that you have coming up or, or mm-hmm. anything else that you'd love to share with us about your work in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I do have a, uh, a course coming up with Lori, our shared teacher that I'm just so excited to offer. And it's it's an experimental exploration in emergent education. So we're using or being with essential oils as the vehicles to explore some of the things that, you know, we've been sharing today and uh, we'll be anointing the body and just listening into the body, listening into the aromas Um, enlivening the whole conversation and then being in community, sharing our findings Mm. and um, seeing what emerges in the field. So I'm really excited about that offering. It's called an aroma salon and um, that's coming up November 9th. And then sometime around December or January, I'm going to begin a series that came to me couple of months ago called Luna Nidra, where we move into states of relaxation according to the phases of the moon. So I'm going to offer a relaxation meditation on the new moon and on the full moons, and there'll be an aroma involved and Mm -hmm. an acupuncture point involved and a guided meditation where we can Understand new ways of rest, relaxing. Um, what's it? What is it like to relax in community? To rest with each other, to allow ourselves to rest in the 
presence of Gaia's wisdom and how does that inform what's happening in our bodies. So that'll be coming up sometime um, at the end of the year or maybe in the new year. It's still in formation, but that's kind of what is coming through right now. Beautiful. That sounds rich, something to sink into, something to let your sacrum sort of sink into, you know? <laughs> exactly right. Uh -huh. The whole being just, yeah, we need to all lay down. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like instead of a sit-in, like in the 60s and 70s, we need to lay in. We just all need to, to lay ourselves down and how different would the world be if if we all just lay down for a while, cuddled, got, you know, got comfortable, relaxed. So that's my fantasy. That's, those are the things I envision. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Well, mm -hmm. and I will share um, your website and, you know, all of your, your ongoing offerings as well. So okay. that'll Thank be you. available. But Thank you. So much gratitude to you just in the way you show up in integrity in this world. And mm. I'm just grateful for your presence in my life and for your willingness to sit here with me and wiggle around a little bit with these <laughs> questions um, to, you know, kind of let them work on us here to be alchemized by them, mm. you know, transforming the lead into gold. So, yeah. Well, thanks for wiggling with me. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, May we all have more wiggle room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Much appreciated. Mm. Mm -hmm. And to all the ancestors and to all the people celebrating Diwali and to the Mohicans specifically from where I'm situated right now and all the beings seen and unseen, just mm. a big thank you. Beautiful. Well, so much gratitude to everyone for listening, for spending your time with us in this way as we make space for bountiful amounts of presence and awe, as we find new ways of relating and being in kinship, as we continue to sink mm. into our bodies and enmesh ourselves entirely within this miraculous earth home. Mm. All Amen. right. <laughs> Bye for now.